You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. And we're live. Hey people, how are you? My name is Matt Phillips, creator of OneJetLive.com, and this is episode 173 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast, recorded as always, nearly always, um, on a Tuesday on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. And these days, because we're having a little bit of a problem with the YouTube feed, we're also going out to the Sports Therapy Association open group, which anyone can um, join in there, and also the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. Um, so if you are listening live to the YouTube channel and suddenly it blows up or turns over and sinks or something, then just head over to Facebook to the Sports Therapy Association and you can uh, join us there and pick up where you left off from. Uh, last week also there was an issue with comments, which I'm hoping goes away this week. And there's so many reports I'm sending off, but apologies if you are joining us live. Uh, but I have got a comment in here so far and they're coming in. So Nikki Mansfield, evening, Matthew, evening, Nicola. Um, fellow live lounge hecklers. How are you doing? Thanks for letting us know the comments are working. If you are listening to the podcast, and thank you very much. Um, if you're new, then there is the option to join us live, which obviously gives you a chance to ask our speakers questions directly. And also maybe equally or more importantly, just to hang out with fellow minded uh, soft tissue therapists, whether it's sports therapists or sports massage therapists or sports rehabbers, or indeed people from the allied health professions like osteos and chiros and physios, they will join us as well sometimes as well. So it's a good place to mingle, get to know people in your area, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so what are we doing? Therapy Expo is just two weeks away now. Um, I've been saying that since it was 14 weeks away now, 13 weeks away now. So uh, two weeks away. It's getting very real. And uh, we know it uh, just looking there at Gary Benson's eyes down in the lobby. And yes, it's definitely two weeks to go. I can see from the, the depths they've sunken to. Um, so yeah, and as always, as is the case for every single year since 2013, the STA will be there um, at the NEC Birmingham, November 22nd and 23rd this month bringing you guest speakers who will be presenting in the STA Therapy Update Theatre, and we're very excited about it. Uh, last week, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Alistair Beverly, who is the LDPhysio.com, the learning disability physio, who discussed his up-and-coming presentation at Therapy Expo this November, which is called Keeping Your Hair On, What You Weren't Taught About Communication which is going to be happening this year in the in the STA Theatre at Therapy Expo on day two, which is the Thursday at 12.15 p.m. Um, as I mentioned last week, Alistair was on the show back in February with episode 137, Healthcare for People with Learning Disabilities. Hugely insightful. Um, just, again, um, I just... Every time I have somebody on the show, I'm like, oh, you've got to go and listen to this one. But it is hugely insightful talking about um, his experience, why he got into working with people with uh, learning disabilities slash intellectual disabilities. Um, so definitely suggest that you listen to that either on YouTube if you want to watch the video or whatever your preferred podcast app is. Um, and I would suggest that you head along to the ldphysio.com and just educate yourself. That's, that's best I can say really just get to know um, unless you know already but get to know even more about um, working with people with learning disabilities but more importantly how the whole thing about Alistair Beverly is how they're people first okay and they happen to have learning disabilities and in his this year's um, presentation at Therapy Expo that's what is kind of the road he's going down with regards to communication there's so much you can learn about communication from the groups he learns with in terms of how to 
it's all about active listening once again and motivational interviewing and just listening, 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 and then listening a little bit more. So really insightful episode. Really suggest that you check it out if you haven't already. Right then. So tonight, uh, very excited with two weeks to go. Um, sounds a bit like a, I'm, I'm reading the title today, how to make sure therapy expert helps your business. Like we've got all the answers. We won't have all the answers. Well, one of my guests might have, Andy Hosker might have all the answers, but certainly myself and Gary will be the first to say we haven't got all the answers, but we're just going to give you 10 years worth of experience of talking to therapists who have been to Therapy Expo and, and what some of the issues have been, what we've seen, what we've suffered personally with our own businesses after a day or two, um, either in Manchester or Birmingham. Um, and what happens when you get to clinic on Monday morning thinking, right, okay, I'm going to, what am I going to do? What did I, what did I see? Where's my notes? I don't understand everything I've written down. Oh my God. And panic sets in. You realize that you've just taken two days off, spent a lot of money and you're not really got that much to, to kind of add to your practice. So that's what the idea of tonight's show is. As always, if you have joined us live, chuck those questions in there. It'd be lovely to see your input as well. It doesn't even have to be a question. It could just be a comment of your experience. Glenn Murphy, hey, how are you doing? When you do leave a comment, I bring it up on the screen, okay, which means you get your logo shown off um, and it's a great work networking, great way of networking as well. Right then, that's my preamble. Um, so like I say, tonight we're going to be joined by Gary Benson, who is the founder of the Sports Therapy Association, for those who are not aware. And also we're going to be joined by the fantastic Andy Hosgood, who some of you will know uh, through his work with Elevate Your Clinic. Um, but now is um, actually his website is going to be launched tomorrow, which is very exciting. Do you know about that? Bombshell for the show. AndyHosgood.co.uk. Um, but yeah, massive coacher. Um, and helper of people and businesses of therapists from all walks of life, as we will hear about as I bring them up. So without further ado, let's bring up Gary Benson and Andy Hosgood. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Gary and Andy, how are you? Evening, Matt. Very, very well, thank you. Yeah, very Fantastic. good. Thank you for joining us. Andy, first of all, congratulations to you going it solo. Just the name is powerful enough. You've got, you're like a Greg Layman. You're like a Paul Ingram. You're like a, I just need my name, .co.uk now. That's it. Well, there's, a, the there's a confession to that. I read, huh. I, I owned the domain a long time ago and, and, and when it, it was just dead easy, isn't it? Just to kind of go right. Um, if people are going to search for me, it's the easiest way to do it. So I yeah, think it makes sense. Really yeah, easy. I think the years of complicated websites and things, and now just put your name there. It's because maybe that's because we're more important. Our name is more important than our title now. Maybe we've got to that. Is it possible? <laughs> I've forgotten what my title is these days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. That's something we talk about. Anyway, well, thank you for giving up your time and joining us. Very Always. excited. Website goes live tomorrow. Yeah, andyhosgood.co.uk. Correct. Yes. Thank Fantastic. You. So, uh, but like I say, I know that uh, STA members, as well as other people I know, have used your fantastic services in terms of mentorship and coaching to help with their businesses. You've been doing that for, well, you've had clinics and set up various clinics for what, 15 years we're we talking now? I've nearly had them 20 now. Oh my yeah. God. So it's been a long time, um, but it's been good, you know, and I, I've, I've transitioned over. Well, I've been doing it in the consultancy space for over 10 years now, but then kind of really putting my frameworks into businesses on my own for the last five, six years. Yeah. Fantastic. And you're going to be, you, it's last year you were at Therapy Expo and there was great feedback from your talk there, um, which was um, about clinic practice. What did I had it down here? 
it all written down here. It was something about barriers to clinic practice. Here we go. Six Overcoming barriers. barriers to clinic growth. That was the one. Yeah, that was it. That was last yeah. year. That was a year ago. I can't remember that now. I've had <laughs> 86 STA episodes since then. But anyway, um, and we're thrilled to have you back this year on day one at 1220 with how to elevate your client experience to ensure success, mm-hmm. um, which I'm going to talk to you a little about in a sec. But before we do that, Gary Benson, I didn't mean to have a go at your sullen, sunken, tired eyes, but it's it's two two weeks. Yeah. Ready? Are we ready? Yeah, well, I'm never ready. I mean, it always sneaks up on me, even though it's never moved its date. Um, I keep thinking, oh, it's six weeks away, it's four weeks away. Jesus Christ, I've got all of these 246 health and safety forms to fill in and badges to order and things of that nature. So, yeah, it's it's, it's all going well. It's on track and um, hopefully we'll be there on time. Fantastic. Well, I'm in the same van as you, so hopefully we are there on time. Um, <laughs> according to the website, 142 sessions and hours of CPT accredited content, 120 plus exhibitors, 100 plus expert speakers, 2000 plus attendees. Um, it's It's been getting bigger noticeably for the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah, for, for those who are familiar with the location, we're in a different hall this year. So instead of was it 10 we were in previously we're now in hall seven i believe and it's going to be changing again next year and and i think the closest still media are anticipating it's going to be bigger Uh, i know they were struggling for space this year i know there's been a lot of um, last minute demand um but yeah hopefully it will be you know better than last year and better than the year before and it continues to grow fantastic so there you go you heard it from us first. Head to Hall 7, not 12. Get there early now. Everyone's going to be going to 10 or something and then backtracking. What, what I would say is check check the uh, <laughs> check, check your tickets. Your I might have got it wrong. <laughs> check your tickets. And um, and it's and exciting this year. We were mentioned, I mentioned it before. There's kind of like a little horseshoe between us and then this new speaker's lounge, which is part of your input into, into the panel of advice for Therapy Expo. And then we've got the Hands on Hub. We're back for year two, kind of on the other end of the horseshoe with our friends um, at the ST School, with Anna-Marie Mazzieri and co. So there's really going to be quite a fascinating, interesting kind of horseshoe of speakers and presentations going on um, for everybody, I guess. Oh, Vernon's just come on. We were just talking about you before, Vernon. He said it's definitely Hall 7. Thank you That's very how much. we roll here. You know, we put a question at Therapy Expo, and then we get somebody from Therapy Expo just jumping in and confirming it. That's the I think, think podcast, checking people. up on its map. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Hall 7, in case you listen to the podcast. We've had it confirmed by Vernon Smee from Therapy Expo. Thanks, Vernon. Very kind. Yeah, Any I think what, what's happened, from? Matt, over the past <clears throat> uh, few years is, um, you know, I, I like the open theatre that we have. I don't want one of the closed theatres. Initially, we had one out in the foyer area, and it was very disjointed. Um, and one of the problems we were experiencing over the past few years was at the end of the speaker um, finishing his session, there would be a queue of people waiting to talk to them. And there's a, there's literally a 10 minute changeover period where the new speaker's trying to come in, the technical team are trying to get the presentations in order. So the suggestion was that we had a space either within our stand, which would require you know a bit more you know space for us, or a separate stand um, close by so we could have the speakers and they could speak at the leisure then rather than feeling that they were rushed off. Yeah, it's been, oh, it's been I know, I'm sure you appreciate it as well, but it's been so nice seeing the conference develop over the years and how it's changed, like to being outside, to being inside and then getting bigger and larger. And, and I want to touch on that tonight to see whether it's changed 
um, in terms of what therapists are going there to look for. But before I do that, Andy, you've been a few times as well, haven't you? We talked about five, six times or something. Yeah, but I, th- I think I even went as a, a, I think I presented in the last five, six, but I think I've been going since day one. I, think, right. I've, I think I've been an attendee. So, yeah. yeah. Do you remember in Manchester the first couple? Yeah, of years? I was. In, I actually, yeah. I was actually. I there think I talked at the first one in Manchester. Really? Yeah. That's that's worth about thirty-five pounds on eBay now. The program for that one. That's amazing. <laughs> I think it probably probably got me my ticket thing or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, save that. That's that's hard. That is that's famous. Wicked, right? So in that case, then, so tonight's all about. Like I said at the beginning, we won't have all the answers for everyone, but I think between us, um, we have some helpful tips for people about. Um, how to make sure that, or how to, I don't like saying make sure, but how to kind of put the chips in the, in the odds in your favour that you're going to get as much as possible out of Therapy Expo. My first question to you two is, because you've been there quite a few times, do you think, why do you think most therapists go to Therapy Expo? What do you think in your experience they are they are hoping to get out of it? Anyone can answer that, by the way. I, I think it's changed, Matt, to be honest. I think in the early days, we used to go, I, I went as a delegate in the first year or two, and I went to get my deal on my kinesiology taping and see if there were any offers on on some products and services. Um, and I think that's changed now. And, and we, I was talking off air before that, you know, not disrespecting the people who used to attend, but if you compare the therapist of, of, of a decade ago to the therapist now, I think the therapists are, are far more intelligent. You know, we don't go and buy snake oil unless we uh, unless we are presented with the evidence to support its use. So I think there is a lot more people going to listen to the influential speakers, uh, you know, the up-to-date speakers, um, and less so to spend, you know, a couple of hundred quid on, on products. Andy, would you agree with that? Were you yeah, going there to get your that. work to it? And I actually think it's because of the, I think it's the, uh, the increase of social media. I think I think now, because we've got social media, I think those products, whereas we'd have to go to the conference to see what was new. I think now it's it's forced upon you on your Instagram, isn't it? So I think you, and I think because of social media and the critiques of products, I think people are getting more wise to a lot of those things. So I think people are going now, I hope, <laughs> in my personal opinion, everyone's going with a plan and an agenda now as well. You know, so whereas because they were maybe unfamiliar, I think because they've been going so long now, a lot of people that have visited it a few times are familiar with the process. And, you know, instead of turning up day one with this massive book of going, <gasps> what do we do with this? I think we're a little bit more organised. So I agree. I think it has changed and hopefully people get more benefit from them these days as well. I think sometimes the way I see it's measuring its involvement is looking at the rock tape stand because rock tape have pretty much been there from the beginning as well, I think. And it's, and like the first few years, it was just rolls and rolls and all the varieties that you had the atomic bomb ones or whatever, the nuclear fallout, the radiation, the cow one was so popular, leopard print. That was the main reason people were going there to get their rock tape. And then rock tape is still there and very influential, but through the years they've moved into different things. You can still get your rock tape, but they've kind of evolved with it and then they've got into they've had some excellent kind of instructors working with them obviously mike grice paul coker sonia fiero lots of people have been on the show and that's why i've always raved about rock tape i've got nothing i have got a few things against other kinesio tape suppliers but anyway but rock tape in particular have always evolved with it and and i remember years back on one chat live doing a great debate between 
um, the two Pauls. So it was Paul Coker speaking on behalf of Rock Tape and the evidence behind it against Paul Westwood, um, the triathlete, um, trainer and physio. And it's brilliant. Um, but it's, it's funny seeing Rock Tape still there, but doing such more different presentations now, looking at mobility and flexibility and they've branched out. And that's, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to evolve, isn't it? We're kind of more intelligent in the sense, hopefully that we've kind of taken on more and, and evolved and hopefully STA podcast has formed part of that. Um, so that's that's very positive, Gary. So you don't think anyone's just going there now, blind to the the needs of the modern day therapist? I think we're all clued up. I I, I do think that people are more clued up, and I, I I'm speaking to members every day of the week, and they're all telling me that they have meticulously planned which speakers they're going to go to. So it's not like you turn up, like Andy mentioned, with your book and think, oh, who can I go to at quarter past nine and I'll need to see somebody at quarter past ten. And given that there were some 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 problems, you know, recently where Therapy Expo had too much content, not enough space between the speakers. So there was no time for reflection, no time for, for liaising with directly with the speaker. Now it, it seems a lot more structured. And I think that... I think that people get more from it. I, I go to network, you know, and, and a lot of the members are saying to me, they go to network. And a couple of years ago, we had an STA member turn up very early. Well, two of them actually never met each other. Um, one was from Wales, one was from Newcastle. I said, therapist A meet therapist B, you're both STA members. They spent the whole two days together, you know, just going around and, and, and sharing best practice. And they're still in touch now you know they're, they're friends and they, they they contact each other regularly so it's the networking it's the um it's the mixing with like-minded therapists that's really good that's really positive that's probably uh, going to be one of our number one tips isn't it make sure you don't just go there to see the speakers make sure you go there and talk to your peers there's plenty of areas at therapy x where they've expanded the kind of coffee lounge center just by us as well um for that very purpose because we gave that feedback didn't we let give the therapist more room to sit down and chat with each other because that might be as valuable as going to see a presentation, you know, rather than running around um, and also the speaker lounge as well. So go down and sit down with some of the speakers if they're willing to. Um, Andy, it's interesting because once upon a time, I mean, presentations like the one you're giving would have been very few and far between. And now there's like dedicated business kind of channels and things going on in your presentation, how to elevate, elevate your client experience to ensure success. Is there a, do you think these days there's more of a demand? Are people finally wising up to the, to the idea that, that it is a business and you need some business acumen to make your business work rather than just getting more and more and more tools for your kind of toolbox? Well, I'm biased, so I hope so. But um, I th- in, for me, I think there, there's been, there has always been talks well, as far as I've, at least the last five, six years, you know, there's been, there's them. Um, and again, I'll sit on the fence for what I believe some of them hidden agendas were. They seem to be selling very, very expensive courses a lot. So I think now, hopefully, what we're getting is more, you know, hopefully, like mine, I don't really sell, I just try and inform. And I hopefully that's, the, you know, is give tips and best practice of, from my experiences and the life I've done. And hopefully that's what people should be going to get, isn't it? You know, they shouldn't be going to be sold. Listen, you know, here's half an hour pitch, which I think it has been before. 
you know, and certainly the ones I listened to last year when I sneaked into the back and was listening, they're really informative and there was, there was a lot of good information given away with that. Um, I also think people are switched on a lot more in the sense of it's not just about trying to get new customers or clients or patients or whatever you choose to <laughs> call them. You know, we want to look after them, don't we? And I think people are very, you know, very aware that if we do a good service and that's how we run our business as well, that also we can we can create a, a longevity in business. And I think there was an awful, for me personally, what COVID also showed is it tried to find balance in people's businesses. And I think there was a lot of, you know, single practitioners, solo entrepreneurs, whoever you want to kind of name them, that were working all the hours. And then I think when they had the time to, you know, to stop and rethink, it gave them the opportunity to relook and revalue what was important in life and how they did things. And so I think it was an opportunity. But certainly from the experience I've got, you know, we blew up, <laughs> our business blew up and my coaching after COVID because a lot of people came to us and said, look, I need to do things differently. How can you help? And that was certainly an awful lot of the work that I've got off that is just people really becoming more aware, I think. So hopefully conferences like this and the development of that and the growth of that just kind of helps people share more and more of that information that'd be helpful. Because for me, and I'm a clinician, so one of the things that was always passionate for me is helping people and seeing people achieve great outcomes. That's, that'll always sit in the lining of what I do and that sits as my whole value ladder. And the more people we can do that with, I know it's a bit of a cheesy phrase, isn't it? But the more we want to be able to do and the more we want to support people. And sometimes that comes down from the efficiency of our business. If our efficiency of our business isn't very good, then actually we fail to help look after those people because the systems break. So I think it just improves the whole values of what we're all about when we started our therapy journey at whatever or whatever level we started at. That's great. Um, I reckon you probably lost people when you said, I'm not trying to sell a course or anything. I'm just there to help others because people are going, yeah, right. Because we do live in that age where that is such a line, isn't it? But it's so true with you. You know, I know uh, you. Yeah. I've even been on holiday with you and your family <laughs> and you just are you know, this is what I am. This is who I am. And you generally want to help people. Um, and it is, yeah, so refreshing. If we can get, like you say, more people who are there just to help, that's their prime. And if people then want more info or they want to do a course or they're interested and they've got a budget and they like what you, then great. Okay, here's some details. But you're not just there to kind of then sit at home with a kind of machine totting up how many did I sell and how many people. And all well, that. I don't think it works. Does it long term? You know, it's like any therapist, you know, if it if everything you're doing is a huge sales pitch to get people through the door, but you can't back it up because there's, they feel sold to us, they feel a false agenda, they're not going to come back. And so the whole philosophy is the same. Look, partly for me, I still, my coaching style exactly the same as was when I was full-time clinic. Mm. You know, it's like, I want to add value. I want to educate people. I want to coach them and I want to facilitate them on a journey. And that, I've transitioned those skills exactly the same. You know, my job is very much the same, is to try and share as much knowledge as, or more mainly what I've failed and what I've found solutions to over the years, share that all out. And then if people then go, well, actually, I, I feel like I haven't got the skill to do this on my own or I feel like an information, that's when I can become helpful, mm -hmm. you know, because that's that's where then I can add and support people on that pathway and that journey if needed. And you were sports rehab when you just start? I mean, you've done various things, but yeah. 
Where did you do yeah. that? I did it at Salford University, yeah. The third year ever to so the thing there was I think we were the third year ever to graduate from Salford University. A long time ago. Yeah. Ninety nine was that? I don't know. I was even born. Um, yeah, so that must help you. I mean, because even though people kind of know you as a physio, and I think your Twitter account says Andy Hoss Physio, does, obviously yeah. you start off in sports rehab, and a lot of your clients, we know you've seen STA members of multidisciplinary employee, I think, in clinic, you've got different disciplines. We have, yeah, we have a very multidisciplinary, you know, we probably have definitely 50-50, so 50% are of a sports therapist or a sports rehabilitator and 50% are um, physios and that's, we, there actually we don't have any different structures, it just happens to be how we stand at the moment in time from, you know, who's best at interview that's mm-hmm. fundamentally what it's about you know, we don't, you know and we talked about titles we don't even, we don't, no one has a name badge no one has a title, we, they don't even you know, at the end of the day, they're just a clinician or a practitioner and that's for us. Everyone's equal. This must be music to your ears, Gary, isn't it? Because you're just so tired of adverts asking for a physio specifically, or yeah. It, it, I mean, it's one of the things that we challenge the most: um, discriminatory uh, policies in, in in employment opportunities. You know, we we don't now advertise any employment opportunities. We we probably get between fifteen and twenty a week. And my stock response is, has it passed the HMRC employment status test? Has it got a full person spec and a full job spec? Um, and if they can't provide me with that, then I, I don't put them out because um, it, it's, I'm endorsing. And in fact, because I'm putting it on my pages, I'm endorsing this opportunity. And if it turns out to be exploitative to the therapist, you know, that they, they're classed as self-employed, but they're actually would fall under employed status on the HMRC status test, then I don't want to be part of that. So we, we're always going through the, the adverts that, that, that come in. But I want to reiterate what, what Andy said, you know, as new therapists, we we tend to market ourselves and we market our services because that's all we do. You know, that's all we know. We, we, we're occupationally competent when we leave the course because we've been assessed as so. But we haven't got the skills required to run a business. So we, we launch into this um, sort of commercially driven advertising to get people through the door. But what we actually need to do to stop the attrition rate of 65% of people never working in the industry is we need to understand how we make a connection with the client. And it might be if you want to appeal to a golfing athlete that you know they might want to hit the ball further for example and your marketing has to convey that message and what i'm advising members at the moment is if i came to your location with my 50 quid why would i come and see you how do you make a connection with me who is your ideal client write these things down what is your unique selling point and then exactly what andy says you've got to provide that service it's got to be high level service you know, you've got to show an interest. You've got to invest in the client. You've got to send them a text message the day before saying a reminder about your appointment at 10 a.m. tomorrow. You've got to send them a message a couple of days later saying, how's it been since your treatment? Is there anything you need reaffirming? Or, or can I, you know, help you in any other way? Would you like to book another session, etc.? But it's it's all about your branding. It's all about the level of service that you provide to them. And then they become 
the network to get to you more clients because they're recommending you to their friends and colleagues. So we seem to get tied up initially as a new therapist in going on courses, adding passive modalities, which by and large do the same thing and modulating pain, allowing that client to move a little bit, a bit easier, a little bit further. Um, and, and what we should be doing is saying, you know, I can help you with this. I can facilitate your journey. You know, I can help you hit that golf ball 25 yards further. I can help you get over that high jump bar, you know, rather than saying I do kinesio taping, dry needling and sports massage. Can I just jump in? Because that's, mm. that, well, that sets me perfectly up. So if you are up, if you are there day one, it's all part of my framework, that. And in fact, I'll leave a spoiler for it. In the 10-step process, we actually talk about marketing as the last point we talk about. Because there's no point bringing in, like you've said, Gary, loads of focusing on bringing loads of customers in if you can't look after them well. You know, if you don't have that process in those to retain them, then actually it's going to long-term affect your reputation. Because if you can't, if you can't reply to them and you haven't got it set up or you haven't got your time management right and all those kind of things or your systems and software now automates all that, doesn't it? You know, you can get stuff that will send them an email to say, how did you get on? And that can be automated. Um, then you, you, you're just going to break down or you're just going to be spending hours and hours and hours afterwards trying to t- chase it all. So I think it's really important, especially when we work for a bit, when, when we, a business we look at that process from start to finish and we look at each different step funnily enough there's 10 and if you attend the presentation and you scan in we've got a free ebook that that your members can then access and it and it's just my trying to put my process my brain into a trying to structured format that's been edited quite a lot of time if you've ever seen me talk before um and, and, and I think that's a really, I think it's a really, really strong point. And I think it it changes how you do stuff. Because even, you know, I know we're talking about lots of people might be coming to this to learn a new skill or to see what's new and out there. And the question for me always is when you're listening to the speaker and you're inspired by that speaker about a new technique or a new skill or a new tape or whatever you choose to be excited and inspired by, I think you've got to ask the question, how is this going to fit in my business? What am I going to do with this? You know, you can't then, you know, and I've seen over the years as a a mentor in my own practice, a clinician go away, been on a weekend course and they've come back (laughs) and they've treated a patient on a Friday one way. And then because they've learned some new information, they've treated them completely different based upon that. So the patient's going, hold on a minute. You know, so I think it's how you filter, how you're going to integrate that into your business should be going through your head when the speaker's talking to you. And and then I think, like everyone said, it's a great opportunity. And certainly I know for me as a speaker, I've been, you know, I buzz off having a coffee with people that are interested afterwards and kind of sharing that this is what I would do. You know, and I think most people generally are interested in helping them facilitate that into their business and or their process or the way they do things. One of the things that was discussed on the the education sort of information committee was the fact that there has to be something in each session as a takeaway, something that you can use on a Monday. And it might be a communication cue. Uh, it might be the way you ask a question. It might be a, a you know a manual technique. 
but each session should have something that that each you know attendee can take away but if i may i'd just like to take you back 10 years uh well 11 years now and and when when i when i had the idea of, of starting the sta it was because i i thought that professional representation could be done differently and whereas i used to pay x amount of money and and get nothing in return apart from an invoice on the anniversary i thought you know if we're going to be you know up there with the big boys instead of the new kid on the block what we've got to do is we've got to provide an ex exceptional level of support and that's why you know i i've got that's why we have these matt isn't it the, 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 our initial discussions were how can we keep our members engaged and we started this during lockdown as a, a sort of you know a catch-up but you know the first thing i wrote down on my business plan on the back of a fag packet that all those years ago or whatever was no member should ever feel isolated and then that started how do i achieve that and, it, and it's about the level of service that we provide which means now that we get people ringing up every day saying oh, i've never heard of the sta even though we've been around since 2014 never heard of us but i've, I've been listening to your podcasts wonderful you know how do we join you know how can you support me and 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 that's my business model is it's going that extra mile to help people as we do when we're a therapist it's investing in the members it's keeping them informed with what's going on with our, our monthly newsletters our fortnightly coffee evening chats our we've now launched the daytime version of that which is alternate mondays at 12 noon and it's it's all these ways that we can add value to the membership experience and what what i find quite pleasing is the fact that a lot of the initiatives that that we as a team have introduced are now being rolled out by other uh, uh, membership bodies um you know the social media presence the the online learning platforms etc so you know if you do things well and proficiently and professionally people will take note and whether you're launching a you know a membership body or you're launching your clinic or you're looking for clients those principles stay the same and and it, it's you know you, it was an interesting segue when you fit, when you came in last time Andy we haven't had pre, prior discussion about this you know we, we're singing from the same hymn sheet because we we are business people you know with years of experience and and I really like your point is you know we edit things all the time things change you know we make mistakes you know I, I or don't do this, you know, you're wasting your money. There's no return on your investment. Have you thought about doing this instead? That's what we're here for is, to, is the benefit of our experience and, and, and the way that we can help our clients or members that set us aside from everybody else. Uh, but I think for me, I think where we connected a, a deeper level is that the value of what we're trying to achieve in the sense of, you know, you've got an incredible passion for not only helping and supporting people to get better for their businesses, if that makes sense. So, you know, yeah. someone's business improves, you don't put their membership price up, do you? So what yeah. I'm saying is, so for you, you know, every member is, you're offering, I mean, we talk about consistency in business. I keep seeing, is it 100, is this 171 podcasts? It is, it is indeed, yes. Yeah. Now that's, you know, we talk around really consistency. You know, if you've been doing this 173 times, sorry, you know, that's phenomenal consistency. So you said, I'm going to do this and you've kept it up. So you're doing what you say you're going to do. 
So that's why, but you've set out with this vision that is, I'm going to, I don't want anyone left behind. I want to support and have as much. Okay. Now that value is what's driving the SDA and what's people, that's retaining that. And I think everything you've said, if people then just take your own values and what you've set to achieve, I would suggest writing a business plan, not on the back of a bag packet, <laughs> but um, each their own, yeah. right? <laughs> and then, but what I'm, I'm saying is that you can take those and people can then implement them in their own businesses, can't they? And I think it's just my only point I would say is, and I hope everyone listening to this is, it's also everyone's responsibility to take their own, be accountable to themselves as well. And, you know, the, the fact that you're giving really, really good advice, I think it's massively important that people not only listen and take that on, but actually action it. And that's the bit for me, isn't it? You know, you're willing to put all this information out, but people actually got to take that and do that. They can't sit on the fence and procrastinate. And I think that's the other, that's not your fault if they're not prepared to take action. So I think it comes, you know, you've got this, this cr- incredible amount of information and support you're doing you know, and, and I've watched you and the whole grow, you know, over, and it's fantastic to see what you're doing. And I think that's why we connect, even though we've never, we hadn't met before, because we both have that same value of trying to support and educate and help people. And um, what a great way to be a clinician and a therapist, you know, that's the therapy part for me of the jobs that we do. It's it's interesting you you mentioned accountability because, we have introduced the Monday daytime coffee chat as an accountability session. So, you, you know, you, you, you come along, you know, you, you raise a question. We, we might give you a, you know, a couple of steps to go away and, 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 and try. You're accountable to yourself and to us because you come back a couple of weeks later and say, well, I've, I've tried this and it really works. Yeah, and and I, have, I have in my, in my calendar, you know, I've got, probably about a dozen members scheduled for accountability charts, you know, clinic owners. And, and, and I touch base with them every six months or so and say, right, tell me what you've been doing. I gave you three personal goals and three business goals. Which have you achieved? Which did you, which fell by the wayside because something else worked better. And, and that's part of the service, isn't it? You know, if you're mentoring somebody that that's what we do, we follow up. A hundred percent. And then, and I think that is, but hopefully they can, what for me then they can do is take those skills on their own as well, can't they? You know, and that's the bit, you know, and then go, right, Gary, not only did I did that, I not only did I achieve that, but I realised you'd ask me <laughs> what's next after that. So I moved to the next level and I've also done that. And that's yeah. then, you know, that's really taking the skills of a coach because they can then take them on board. You know, I always use the analogy um, and for people out there who've got kids, you know, when they come to you with the homework and go, what's the answer? And it's dead easy when you just go, oh, it's five, you know. <laughs> but what you're learning from that, you know, whereas if you turn around and go, okay, so how do we work this out together? And that's why clinicians, when they start working for me in my practice, probably don't like me for the first 18 months, two years, because my job isn't to just tell them the answers. It's to help improve upon them so they can work out the answers for themselves. And it's only then when they get to that point and I think it's, you know, that's great what you're doing with the Accountability Club. I love that. Great. Amazing. Um, I love the yeah, accountability is a great word, isn't it? That'll be the word for this year. Um, so lots of tips within there for people listening. Um, I particularly like the one about if you are, it is tricky, isn't it? I mean, Nikki, 
it is easy to go because you just are attracted to somebody about how they're talking and everything and you're inspired by them. But yeah, like you say, Andy, unless you ask that question, what am I going to get from this? What's going to change your money when I go back? Then you could end up really, really inspired, which is important. Maybe one or two of your talks are just to feel good about yourself and realize that, you know, to, to inspire, it's really important. But yeah, we need practical things we can do as well. Nikki's raised a good point and it's something I want to ask you guys about now. I'm just going to bring it up on the screen. Nikki Mansfield says, I've been going since to Therapy Expert since 2016 and it's always been for the talks. How social media has changed for me is that now I know 80% of who I want to see and I have more scheduled clashes as a result. So this is something we saw last year and the year before people and this is why we've put more gaps in between people were really with the increasing quality and quantity it became a bit of a rat race it was just people i was watching people looking at their watches thinking i've only got five minutes to get over i'm not going to get good to see i'm not going to get in they were missing half of one presentation because they're worried about missing the next one and i want to make sure that we can give some tips to people because there's an even some amazing presentations and obviously there's going to be clashes like nikki said and more people are aware so what are your ideas on how to make sure that it doesn't just turn into eight presentations over two days um, and just running from one to another, not taking enough information in? I think initially, Matt, what the Therapy Expo team have done is build in a lot more time between the sessions. So hopefully this year we won't see people leaving 10 minutes from the end of one session to queue up for another session, hopefully. And, and you know, it's everything's sort of evolutionary isn't it we'll see how it works this year and they'll probably make plans for next year you know already we we've got meetings scheduled for reflections and and feedback um but you know i would say don't always go and see who you want to see who you think you want to see i i think we should all you know schedule a, a, a you know a talk or a you know a visit to a theater with somebody who we we don't agree with and challenge ourselves because if otherwise we're just in an echo chamber so i don't get to see many people but i always go and talk to people who who i'm not sure about you know i always try and go and make a point of doing that so that i can challenge my own biases as i said before it's um and sometimes those even if it reinforces that you don't like snake oil for example sometimes those negative learning opportunities are as powerful as the positive ones good tip I like yeah. it and he's nodding away yeah well i had that written down when because i'm ocd prepared and organized and that was one of the things i said you've got to avoid confirmation bias mm -hmm. so i think we do that a lot of the time don't we we go which is nice you know i'll never forget being at a conference in glasgow i think that i font and someone said to me they're having a terrible time because every lecture they've been to they knew it all already and i just went well <laughs> We see it a different way. If we've got some of the best speakers talking about stuff and you're already doing that, I'd be buzzing and skipping down the road. I'd be more gutted if the best people are saying, actually, this is best practice. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, I don't do anything, do any of that. I'd be, and she went, oh, I didn't look at it like that. So, again, I think there's an element where we can get confirmation bias. But, Gary, I totally agree. I think it's an opportunity, these to there might be somebody and especially Nikki's put that is seen on social media that they might not disagree with but actually when they see them live and they put put it in a different way they might realize that actually there might be something in there that might go okay actually there might be something in this that is interesting for me to explore more and I think it's a great opportunity like it. for that 
I wonder how many people will actually listen and do that. I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it? We're not going to say that's easy to do because you're so excited at seeing people. Yeah, but again, if you want to challenge your learning processes, mm. um, you know, if we are to put critiquing our own learnings and our own selves, and I think if we want to evolve, then sometimes we have to, you know, like Gary said, we have to be comfortable going into those things, even if it does mm. confirm, actually, yeah, that doesn't fit well with me. It, it can, But also there might be something... And I always find even people I disagree with, there might always be one thing I take from it going, actually, that point I agree with, and actually there might be something good from it. And you'll take that to clinic. That'll be a learning experience, which will help you in your practice. Well, we we can't agree with everybody in life. Exactly, yeah. So I think there's always a way, you know, we can't... One of the things, every time I always say, oh, I've got a presentation coming up, people go, I couldn't stand in front of people and talk. And the biggest learning I ever had was accepting and understanding that not every single person is going to agree with everything I say. And I'm comfortable with that. And once you become comfortable with that, you're all right, aren't you? Because, you, 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 you know, if you if you get on stage and assume everyone's going to love everything you do and agree with every point, then you're incredibly naive. Mm-hmm. So I think being comfortable going into things that you don't believe can actually really, really strengthen things for you. So I really agree with what you're saying. There, some, some of the things that... I suppose our CPD policy has always been a little bit forward thinking compared to that of others. And and I look at CPD, not just as professional development, but per- personal development as well. And, and, and I'm not going to name names here, but Matt and I invited somebody to speak a, a, a couple of years ago. And, and this chap turned up at the stand and was extremely, extremely nervous. And we sat back and we watched this presenter grow you know, in the first 10, 15 minutes of the presentation and then look forward to presenting. So the initial, you know, the anxiety that it that it brought about was was overcoming. And, and, and that personal development for me is massive. And that's what I try and do. All, all the team always have some uh, development opportunities available to them. Um, I was going to say something else, but Andy was saying it will come back to me in a minute. Well, I was just going to say the personal development. I agree with what Matt was saying. I think sometimes it's a good time to talk to other people who might have challenging views from you because it's mm. then, you know, it's. I think it's always helpful. You know, the, the great thing with therapy, sports therapy, sports therapy, everyone's got an opinion of how to get from A to B. You know, and that's, you know, even in my own clinical practice, I would never say this is how we get from here to here. I, I have a framework of how we get to there, but I think everyone's got their preferred methodology of getting there. And I'm a, you know, it's not for me to <laughs> to challenge what's right or wrong, as long as it's ethical and safe and the patient gets to where they go. So I think it's really nice to be sitting next to people that might have a difference of opinion how to get from A to B. And we share those because actually, again, there's always something to learn, always something to learn. So I think that, I think that's a really I, good I remember- idea. I remembered what I was going to say, and it was about Nikki's comment about social media. And, yeah. and we've discussed this before, Matt, about it being sort of two-dimensional social media, and it, it's either for or against. But one thing that I find, and I challenge people to do this, if you if you go on social media, there are people who are a little bit inflammatory. You know, They may have a good message to give, but the way that they give the message might not be suitable for you. These people, when you meet them in real life, generally they're not inflammatory. 
so go and listen to them because they might be completely different persona to that's that that that's displayed on social media and online can happen good point i want to chuck one in there which which kind of because you both mentioned talking to other people i for there's not one bit of advice for everybody but i would recommend that people going imagine you were going for one day plan one session which you're not going to go to you're going to leave yourself an hour just to network with other therapists don't just book it in back to back back to back like some kind of netflix kind of box set thing give yourself a session which is going to be i'm going to walk around and chat to people i'm going to have a coffee with so and so i'm going to sit down with this person and i reckon if you went to sit four or five people in like the equivalent of a, of a chat or something that would give you some really good um, cpd whether it's personal or professional because all these people are in the same boat as you all these people are probably similar problems and maybe solutions to what you need and they may well give have better quality information for you than the speaker who for a living is traveling around the world speaking and not maybe doing so much clinic work so one of your sessions should be networking chatting to each other I, I, think, that in there. I think with that is it's fair to say that even people are all been in the same lecture they're all they're all going to get depends on their experience they're all going to get deaf different things from it mm -hmm. so i'm sure if you actually got a group what did you get from that? What did you get from that? What did you get from that? True. It'll all yeah, come up yeah. with something different depending on what you took from it. So, you know, that's the great thing of shared learning as well. Mm. And that's another thing about learning, being in education and, and people, my heart went out to people who just realized at the end of the day, they hadn't actually retained anything. And that's because they'd gone from 30 minutes of being talked to, to watch something else, 30 minutes of being talked to. And you can't learn like that. So after your 30 minutes, like like andy just said rather than just go straight into another session especially if they've given you that time talk about it with someone because that's when you learn when you either tell or teach somebody else about what you've just seen or when someone else teaches it to you or tells you about it and then suddenly the wires start touching and connecting and that's when you'll retain that information instead of just going headfirst into another presentation because all of that will just be kind of totally out one in and out the other so yeah talk my, about what you've seen with someone else and my, my big thing with tip that would be is at least from at the end of every lecture, even if it is just sitting down and having five minutes, if you're if there's no one to talk to, it's just what's the just write it down. What's the one thing in summary I've taken from that, or mm -hmm. what's the one thing I can do differently in clinic on a Monday morning? Keep a little journal. What could we call that? Can you give me the name now? What should you be carrying around with you? What do we call this little black book of things you take away from each? Man, there's a little black book. I just carry Keep it everywhere with me. Yeah. Go. Take a little bit back with you. Yeah, what did I learn from this? Because at the end of the day, you know, he is, and he's holding a rather large big back book. But yeah, take that's a good idea. Take it with you, a little notepad. Don't do it on your phone. That's just going to waste time. Lock, just lock. get paper and a pen, you know, one of those spirals with a pen on the inside. Yeah, that's a good thing. Write down, what did I get away from this lecture? What did I take from this lecture? That's good, one or two things. Just going on, on your point about discussing and reflecting with your peers, you know, as an educator, you will know that peer learning is a really valuable resource so that good. we can use, often underused. Mm. Very much so. You'll often pick up far more of a coffee and a chat with somebody on your level than somebody who might be on a kind of like a bit of a pedestal above you, just because it's not the right way to learn. You could impress you, you know, but you, sometimes it's better off, you know, sitting down with someone on the same level. Good stuff. What else we got? Other tips? But nine minutes now. What else can we chuck in there? Well, OCD boy, what you got written down? So I think it's important you go with why. Always think about your why. So why are you going to that lecture? So what's the intent? What is it that you're lacking? What is the thing you is it something that you feel you haven't got the skills for? So you want to learn some new skills? Is it something you want to 
improve your skills on? You know, is it somebody that you talked to last time and it was great, but you just didn't, you wanted to learn it in more detail? Or is it again, like we've been talking about, is it something you don't disagree with? So you're just really, really curious. I think it's the why. I think it's important that you write down um, what, you know, what can I get from this? What's going to, what am I going to take from this? And then how am I going to apply it? And then it's the one action point that would be my kind of, and I've just put, I use what they call, it's from neuro-linguistic programming. Like it's a format. So it's the why, the what, the what, the how, and the, you know, what am I going to do with this piece of information? What what use is it going to be for me? And that would be something, I, and that's part of my learning. So I, even when I write a presentation, I look at all of those points. And even when I'm listening to a presentation, that's what I take from, you know, before I go to it, why am I going to this? What, what do I think I'm going to get from it? And actually finish with actually what did I get from it? So, and that's I, very cool. So some really people quick. some people who have actually already written out their program maybe like the really kind of you know your little disciple group have already planned what they're doing two weeks ahead of going there they might need to go through that list again and, and give like the four w's and stuff and kind of thinking um, is this the right selection i've made here can i get something out of here maybe they should need to readjust a little bit using that plan of their schedule do you think matt you can also apply that to purchases if you're going to go and spend money and buy a piece of equipment or some consumables that you don't normally have, ask yourself, how will this add to my clinical practice? Mm. You know, am I going to get my money back on this? Because often we go and buy something because it's it's the current trend. You know, and, and I say to people when they ring me up saying, I'm thinking of doing a course, and I'll say, okay, then let's take your last 10 clients. How many of those 10 clients were you successful with? And they'll either say, well, I was successful with them all, and I, I'll be devil's advocate how do you know and i say oh let's hypothesize that three out of ten you weren't successful with will this piece of equipment that you're going to purchase or this you know um small consumable item will it make you successful with those three clients that you uh, or will it add to the service that, that you made to the other seven clients and if you can justify it by all means buy it but if you can't justify it don't book the course don't spend the money yeah, good point. Vernon's just given me the word I was looking for, logbook. Yeah, that'd be a good name for it. We're take along a logbook. In fact, maybe we could, is it too late to make something and leave it on the counter? Maybe a little kind of bit of paper with STA Association, Sports Association at the top with a logbook? Yes, it's too late. Is it too late? Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Moving on. But, but there might be a point, Gary, there. If people are bring, coming to your Monday accountability group, maybe that's something they can bring. What was their, you know, how many lectures did you go to? How many learning points did you make? Mm. You know, because I think that's, you know, again, it's, you know, if, if there is people listening and they, and they are going, then it might be, why don't you join that? Because that way, you know, mm. or that's an, an, a way that they can discuss what they've actually got from it because it encourages, well, it keeps them accountable for doing it as well, don't they? It's good, good, good. We, we do get feedback uh, and we do get all of the contact information and the the demographic, so that whether they're a physio, an osteo, a sports therapist, a soft tissue therapist, and we do send an appropriate communication after the event to see how it went. And one of the things that has impressed me over the last couple of years is that over 40% of the demographic that come and listen to the open, the SGA open theater are OTs and physios. 
and, and we had some really good feedback last year, didn't we, Matt, from physio mm, saying, that's good. I was just happened to be walking by. It sounded interesting. I sat down and I spent the whole afternoon there because your content was far more um, inspiring than some of the other stuff. So we, we do... We, we do survey members, we do get feedback so that we can start planning as soon as possible for next year. Beautiful. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think what Vernon Can I have said, a final like, point? Yeah, yeah, of course you can, mate. So yeah. My only thing is what I find with learning is, so say it's, is it Wednesday, Thursday? Yes. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. Yes. Okay. So you're going to, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So maybe on a week afterwards, Block some time out your diary to then go back through your notes and reflect on experience learning. So then go back and go, actually, what did I say I was going to do? And actually, have I done it? Because I think, you know, if you've been there for two days, Friday, you are quite tired, aren't you? And you're quite mm. knackered. And then you're going to go into the weekend and then Monday comes and you're back into things. So my big advice would be plan some time within the week afterwards where you can an hour, two hours, whatever, would sit with a coffee in your own space or even have, make sure that you catch up with people that you may have met there. And I think that's that, you know, make sure you're making those connections and then catching up and just seeing what people have learned and just share that about within your, uh, your little networks. Good idea. Yeah. In fact, on November 20, what I'm doing normally on at the end of the Thursday is I'm running around seeing who wants to be in the STA episode which will be on the tuesday after so yeah it'd be a good idea for some people maybe to volunteer and and chat about what they picked up maybe people with a log book thanks vernon we can have a chat about you know so yeah there we go if you're listening and you're going to the uh, um, therapy expo um then the session afterwards will be let's compare log books let's see what you got out i love that idea of people going to the same and it's so true people going to the same lecture and taking something away from it different because like you say some people, everyone's different. We're different, the same as our patients so, and our clients. So it'd be interesting. Um, who we just, just had come in? Go on then. Yeah, I'm just going to bring um, up Becky Carroll's comment. All I was going to say, Matt, I, I'll just touch this point before I come on to, I want to answer Becky anyway. Mm. But, you know, don't forget to come to the STA stand. I'll be there. Jake's there, who's business partnerships and, uh, and, and all of the admin. We've got Scott there, who's the regional rep coordinator in resource development. We've got Georgina James Staff, who's resource development, who does all of the handouts. But we've also got some members there who are acting as ambassadors, and, and they will be able to tell you about their membership experience. And don't forget, when we talk about accountability, I'm accountable to every single member. So if you see us do something that you're not happy with or you're happy with, come up and discuss it with me. You know, I am here as the voice of you, the members, and, and I represent you in the industry and I fight your corner. But, you know, you need to inform me what you want. Great point. The, the, the point about um, imposter syndrome, and I know I've said this before, but when we suffer from imposter syndrome, it's usually because we're comparing ourselves against other people. You know, people with more experience, who've done more courses, who've got a bigger clinic, who've got a nice flash car. When what we should be doing is comparing ourselves to our old self. You know, so what were we like five years ago? What were we like three years ago? How have we developed personally and professionally? How have we become a better therapist, a better communicator? How have we become more efficient in our clinical practice? So don't get too tied up with comparing yourself to others. Just compare yourself to you of old. 
Good point. That was Becky who um, had the question. Sorry I'm late to the party. Accept uh, your apology, Becky. Don't worry, you weren't alone. I think Brian Huxley walked in as well at kind of 2020 and said hi, everyone. <laughs> so then why? People do that. It's fine. It's, we don't mind. But Becky says, great point. Um, she would like to add, do approach the speakers and talk to them. Don't allow imposter syndrome silence you. Yeah, there's a great bunch of speakers and, and they've all been kind of told if they don't want to, then hang around and disappear. But otherwise there is availability of the speaker's lounge. And yeah, definitely um, go chat. Personally, to. that's my, one of my best bits, really, mm. because it, it, it's, it's quite, you know, it's quite rewarding when people come up and ask questions, I'm a, you know, about it. So I think certainly, I think if there's the, the opportunity and the hanging around and that aren't running off, um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity to have a chat. I think it's a great opportunity Definitely. to ask them questions. And certainly for me anyway, that's, I really enjoy that bit. Fantastic. Well, look, it's 9.01. So that's the hour flown by as always. Um, we have got um, one more episode next week. And then uh, there won't be an episode because we'll be up um, watching planes in the sky somewhere near the NEC smelling diesel. Is that going to be happening again this year, Gary? No, we were a, a little bit trail smells? on board the feedback from last year, Matt, and we've moved about 10 minutes away. Oh, right. Oh, I'm going to miss that. The, the, the fuel <laughs> smells and the trails. But anyway, so um, life in the fast lane is beautiful. STA, only the best. And um, so next week, yeah, we're going to be chatting. Uh, the last opportunity for us to chat, we'll be chatting with Chris Tiley of Never Too Old to Lift and Chris Kitson of Rockstar Runners, formerly known as Endurance Therapy and Informants. Um, and both of them, I'm really looking forward to this. Again, they've spoken before. Individually, they're amazing. And together, it's going to be great as well. They're going to be presenting 2.30 uh, p.m. on day two in the STA Therapy Update Theatre. Um, and their presentation is going to be training the older adult for performance, which is going to be amazing having those two, two, two together. I um, really recommend it. And they'll be here next Tuesday, like I say, at 8 o'clock GMT, to give us an idea about um, what their presentation will be about and just let you know what they're about and whether you that would be a good opportunity for you to put into your logbook. But remember, before you do go and see them, make sure you ask yourself, um, what am I going to get out of this? Yeah, Andy's there nodding, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Right, so thank you, uh, special guest Andy Hosgood. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, look forward to tuning into your website. Um, if you listen to this live, it's tomorrow morning. This is like news yeah. bomb. Um, it's going to be um, andyhosgood.co.uk. And then if you want to follow Andy on social media, then um, you've got um, Andy Hos Physio, which is Andy, A-N-D-Y, H-O-S-P-H-Y-S-I-O on Twitter. And then on Instagram and Facebook, it's Andy Hosgood. Um, Therapy Expo, obviously, follow them. That's another nice way of seeing what's coming up. They may well advertise something you haven't seen. Um, so you've got, obviously, the website, therapyexpo.co.uk, Instagram, therapy underscore expo. Twitter at Therapy Expo. So make sure you follow them. Um, and also on Facebook, just look up Therapy Expo. That's it, people. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and, and Vernon Smee, thank you for representing Therapy Expo. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate that. Thank you, Nikki and Brian and everyone else who's joined the Live Lounge. Um, we will be back next week. Until then, take care of each other. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Put evidence back into soft tissue therapy.